Good evening, everybody. Welcome to What the Buck. I am Derek Old School Fournier, your host as always. Welcome to the show. We are uh, we are doing this simulcast process that we kicked off last week. We've done it a couple times before as well, using this sort of uh, gimpy uh, laptop cameras. I got this cool new Mevo device. Uh, my man Chris uh, made the comment about <laughs> that we're fancy. It's neat. I can't help but do tech toys, um, and so we got that. So we'll be simulcasting these podcasts on live stream as well as on YouTube or on Facebook for now. And then we will upload the video to YouTube and then we'll do the podcast stuff normally and then Mixer will continue to be the, the way it is. So with that all being said, let's get the welcomes out of the way. As of course, you know, you guys know that I travel a lot for work. Uh, those of you listen to the show, watch the show, whatever you want to call it as a verb. Um, and every time I travel, I come back and there are no printer supplies. Now I print maybe 20 things a year, but anytime I want to print, there's no paper or there's no ink or there's no something. And it is an absolutely vexing problem that I have not been able to conquer yet. Now, I normally will just Amazon Prime now something, and I couldn't do it before the show. So my notes are in uh, Word on my laptop, so I apologize if I missed some of your comments in the chat room. But I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I want to thank all of our longtime listeners. I mean, this is year 13. We've been doing this a long time. You can get a little old in the tooth. Uh, we, we innovated for many, many of those years. I think we still do things a little bit differently than some other folks. But the reality of the situation is the podcast and new media ecosystem for the Bucks has been growing significantly over the last three years. We've talked about it on the show throughout those three years, and we've had really an explosion as of late. And I hope that the explosion continues. What happens typically is you, you have these ebbs and flows and, and swells that occur with hope, and then when things get kind of crushed, they drop off. And that's, you know, that's the nature of the beast in anything. It's very easy to support either a winner. It's also very easy to get excited about someone who may win. Right There's that promise of tomorrow that brings people in. So I hope what happens is these folks, because they're doing a good job, the, the content that's out there is, is really getting better with each passing week. I hope that they have the uh, stick-to-itiveness, which is not really a word, I don't think. But then again, once the OED changed uh, figuratively to literally, uh, they ceased being an authority, in my opinion. But I hope that that continues. Uh, the stuff that the guys at PeterCast are doing, I like the play reaction. There's a lot of guys out there. Buck What You Heard always does great stuff out there. A lot of guys out there doing great stuff. <clears throat> Speaking of great stuff, we want to thank our uh, our sponsors from last year. We're hoping to have all of them back. Steps Towing, Pepin Distributing, Tito's Vodka, Don Q Rum, and of course Steakhouse Elite. What we do is a little bit different, a little bit of background, and I promise we'll get into the football talk. This isn't going to be a long commercial, uh, but I do have to do some housekeeping because this is a real show. Um, we tailgate with a purpose. All the things we do go through our nonprofit. We had a great offseason. We raised a ton of money for One Voice via the fourth annual Trunk Slammers Invitational. We'll have our fifth annual next year in April as, as well. We'll get that stuff out there. We just stuffed and, di and distributed 1,200 backpacks to local teachers to be given to students of need here in the Hillsborough County and Sarasota County areas. We can do that because you guys participate with us. This is a family that spans the globe. We've got Scotland in the room. We've got Amsterdam in the room. We've got people in, I don't know, 36 different countries you guys all see what we do. We love football. We love talking about football. We love to be crazy about football. We love to get into the X's and O's sometimes. We do all of those things, but we also tailgate with a purpose. We also think that we can use this brotherhood to make the world a little bit better place. And there are a number of ways you can help us with that through time, talent, or treasure. We need all three of those things. You don't have to do just one. So we appreciate all the things you've all done. Many of you have contributed across the time uh, and certainly in the most recent events. So we certainly thank you for that. Another little note, we were up in Canton, Ohio at the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Many of you may know I am a proud member of the Pro Football Ultimate Fans Association. We have a number of those uh, members in our crew. 
Uh, but there are more than that outside of our crew as well. Obviously, Big Nasty, the Hall of Fame fan that everyone knows from Tampa, uh, is, is a, was a Visa member, and then Visa members grew into the PFUFA. We were just fortunate enough to sponsor, meaning making a potential veteran, Chris Bucks Attic Elmore, who went up for the weekend, busted his ass, did all the right things, uh, and met the bar and was enshrined into the PFUFA at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. So congratulations to Bucks Addict. I know that Anthony Abernathy and Channel 8 did a great uh, bit on that. So we appreciate that, and we're real proud of what Chris did. We had a great time up there. Now, here's the side story about the Hall of Fame. As you can imagine, we have fans in the PFUFA from almost every team. I don't think the Patriots have a fan that's in the PFUFA because they're all mass holes anyway. Uh, I don't know the other one who doesn't have one, but I know that that's one. Anyway, the Green Bay fans are fantastic. Fantastic fans. You guys know the cheeseheads. Brett Steele, good friend, won the Golden Hog this year, which is an award named after the Hoggettes, who raised over $160 million in their time as Hoggettes. He's a fantastic guy. He deserves his award. A great family. They hosted us when we went up there uh, for the game in Lambeau last year. His son uh, used to be Nasty Wedge, young kid, I think uh, 13. Uh, Nasty Wedge was his name. He wore a wedge. This whole thing was going on, and he had his own little character. But he decided that this year he was going to change his persona, and he's going to change his persona or his name to Jesus. Guys, you know that I'm sacrilegious. You guys know that I don't really take anything too seriously. This kid is the coolest kid in the universe for coming up with a, a super fan name, Jesus. The, the bits write themselves. They really do. I told him to walk around with Mio, and if someone said something, squirt it in their water and tell him to doubt him again. Uh, you know, have a cup of something drinking with stuff going over each side. He could have the Ten Commandments of being a fan. And this is like a 12, and, and I'm sorry if I get to your age wrong, 12 or 13-year-old kid. It was fantastic. We had a fantastic time up there. Uh, it was a lot of fun for everybody. And uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, go out to pfufa.org, take a look. Uh, we did, I think, 500 or 600 backpacks up there at the J. Babe Stern Center. We've got families that we've seen for six, seven years um, helping uh, folks that are struggling there in a, in a relatively economically challenged area. So uh, at any rate, congratulations again to Chris Elmore and to everyone who made the trip safely. We look forward to going back and having lots of Amish food. No more crap, though. We are back. So I'm going to set the stage a little bit because last week's show, we had Mark in the house. We had J.C. Delatore in the house. And we expect to have Mark in here a lot. He lives over by me now. There's really no excuse for it. But this time, he was coming up from Miami all the way up that I had done the day before. He had some interviews with Dirk Cutter as well. So he couldn't make it over tonight. So you're stuck with just me. But I want to explain a little bit about the tonal differences that are going to be relatively evident, I suspect, as we get through the podcast this season. You guys know that historically, training camp has been my favorite time of the year. I absolutely love training camp. I love the promise of tomorrow. I love the smell of the grass. I used to be out there before anyone. The security has made that more complicated now. You go there too early and you can't get in. That's a kind of a pain in the ass. But I have to admit to you guys, and it's interesting because it's odd to say that, uh, that I feel like I owe uh, an explanation to people who in many cases I genuinely don't know. But after 13 years of talking to many of you, uh, some of you I've had the pleasure of meeting, but not all, um, my fandom is different now. It started with Greg Schiano. You guys remember my black shirt days. And it has curtailed since then. But I think that I have found my anchor. I think that I have found where I'm at. Uh, and I'm not going to project on you guys. Obviously, be the kind of fan you want to be. And side note, you've heard me say this a million times, but maybe this will be a, a PSA we can drop in as a recording if we ever start doing post-production. Stop the fan dick measuring. It is just pointless and stupid. Be the fan you want to be. 
That's all you have to do. Root for your team. Talk about your team. Be excited about your team. Do what you got to do. My fandom has changed. I did not walk into training camp this year excited to see things. I was very, very sad about that. It definitely feels different for me now. The hype train is over. Now, I can still go and watch things. You guys know when I do the video stuff when I'm at training camp. And sadly, this year, because of work responsibilities, I'm not able to get to as many camps as I normally do. I can still get excited if I see JPP doing things or I can watch some of the things that coaches are doing to talk about upfield impact and these sorts of things because I love the game. I truly, genuinely love this game of football that we all care about. But for all of those years where it was the guy at the water cooler saying, this is the year we're going undefeated and, and the chest pounding and all of that shit, it's done, guys. It's done for me. That doesn't mean it has to be done for you. And that doesn't make me informed or enlightened or anything like that. It makes me almost uh, resigned. This is a prove it year for me. Now, that doesn't mean that it's prove it or else, or I'm not going to buy any more shit or anything like that. What it means is you can only be excited by paper for so long. Oh, I'm glad you like those, Craig. I'll keep doing those throughout the season, the live, live periscopes during the game. You can only be excited for so long until the stuff actually has to be real. Training camp for me this year has not been exciting. Now, this has been a continual trend, and some of this may be the CBA. This may not be on Coach Cutter. It may not be fair to to cast it on Coach Cutter as running a soft camp. I don't go to other training camps. This could be, well, the new normal. But the goal line that we used to love to see, and I get it, you can't just beat the shit out of your own players all the time. You're going to get injuries, and it's like this double-edged sword, et cetera. Uh, It just isn't what it used to be for me. Now, I still encourage everyone to get out to training camp if they can because it really is as close as you can get. And the Bucks have done a good job. I'm not a huge fan of the new changes, but they've done a good job trying to make the new changes approachable. So it's still something you should do. But what I saw has got me taking that approach into the first game, and there we are with Miami. So let's jump right into the Miami game. I want to remind you guys how you can interact with the show. If you tweet at what the Buck, I'll try and read those during the show. Uh, we've got the chat room here in the Facebook I'll be looking over at. If you're in the Mixler feed, uh, let me see what's going on over in the Mixler chat room for those folks that are mobile right now. Looks like we've got a nice folk, folks over there as well. Um, I will be looking at that chat room as well. So if you have thoughts, make sure that you're thinking about right now your Skulls and Swords. For those of you who are out of practice, Skulls and Swords are our best player and our worst player, irrespective of offense, defense, or special teams. Sword is the good one. Skull equals bonehead. It's really that easy. And, and reminder, and for you regulars, one and only one for each. That's the way it works. So, um, let's get into the Miami game. Winning cures all was my first note. Now, winning in preseason, you've all heard us say it a million times. It doesn't matter. You can go 0-4 and then win the Super Bowl. Someone in Tampa did that once. But, Winning never hurts, right? Um, We have a question from Kurt McDonald. I have not done any questions yet, Kurt, but it's a good question. Um, Can Griffin step up and be the QB too? Let's actually jump into that, and then I'll jump into my review, because I like that. And Kurt, uh, big big thanks to you for tuning in from uh, halfway around the damn world. If Jameis Winston wasn't out for three games, and Ryan Fitzpatrick hadn't balled his ass off last year, and the coaching staff didn't want that veteran presence that Ryan Fitzpatrick is to prevail, then I think that's absolutely true. I think Ryan Griffin 
has been the biggest pleasant surprise of the last two years. And to be honest, he's going to be a, a topic of conversation tonight um, because I think that they've got to find a way to keep this kid on this roster. And I don't know how you do that. And we're going to have a long discussion about this because Ryan Griffin went from Ken Dorsey uh, to uh, – oh, damn it, I was going to use the, the old Falcons quarterback with a strong arm. Shit! Anyway, to someone with a strong arm, my, uh, my similes fail me. So, Kurt, to your point, no, I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think he could pass Ryan Fitzpatrick simply because he doesn't have the experience. They like the fact that they have a, an experienced quarterback who can get them through games and get them some wins. Um, but short of that, and after this season, I don't think that there's any question that, that Ryan Griffin can step up and be more. Um, let's, let's look at the, the overview stuff from Miami. Like I said, winning cures everything. And it definitely gets you moving. I always say little wins lead to big wins. Winning is a habit. You want to feel what a win's like and then go get it again. It's almost like a drug. Jeff George, thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Craig Kurtzman, my man. Jeff George is exactly who I meant to use. That is exactly correct. Thank you, good sir. Play calling on offense looked good. As I understand, it was Todd Munkin. Uh, Much has been made about that discussion. Anytime anything is made public, there will be much made about a discussion like that. To be honest, that is Coach Cutter's call. I don't necessarily care. I thought Munkin did a good job mixing things up. I think that if Cutter wants to win, he should continue to learn from the coaches on his staff, and I have no reason to believe that he won't. I, while I may have issues with Coach Cutter at times, I've never had an issue thinking that he is a vain or pig-headed or obstinate uh, coach. So if he sees success with this process, I see no reason why he would not continue that process through the regular season. The play calling looked vanilla and tasteless on defense. It is preseason. I get it. It may have been limited by the roster. We had a lot of guys that weren't playing. So we have to sort of temper the hatred uh, of what went on on defense, in my opinion. One thing that I would say is that the team looked markedly less confused. Last year, it seemed like things were always late. Uh, There were a lot of procedure issues. There were a lot of delays. This preseason game, the team seemed to have their, their poop in a pile, as they say. And especially true on the last drive that Ryan Griffin executed to get down into field goal range and win the game. This is with guys whose jerseys have Velcro on them, guys. And they still were able to get lined up, get set, get the ball off, get into their routes, block, execute, get the ball down, and kick a field goal to win the game. That's a non-trivial thing to do, especially for a team that looked at times to be in such disarray last season. So if we're looking at high-level things, those are some of the things that, uh, that I noticed uh, throughout the actual game. Um, the staff wasn't on the hot seat. Griffin would have a real chance to start during the suspension. An interesting point, Craig. I, I think that may be true, but to be honest, this is one of those times where I think the old coach truisms kind of come through. And I think that they have to go with uh I think they have to go with the vet arm. Uh who's lots of squeaking over right now? Brent, are you getting squeaking on the uh Mixler feed? Interesting. I don't know. Um, I'll keep an eye on that, that chat room. So high points. I, those are my overview points. My high points is the offensive line for the Buccaneers, the ones, looked outstanding in my opinion. I think they'll look better. Right? I've always said line play is about dancing. We've talked about it before. That's why I hate the rotational idea for a right guard that we did at left guard last year. I think you've got to pick your best five and you let them learn to dance together. 
I thought that that line looked fantastic. There was a lot of pounding of chest about Peyton Barber looking great, and he should have started last year. And look at Rojo. And if you go back and watch this game, the reason these guys were able to run like this is because there were these things that I had read about only in ancient tomes, and they're called holes. Running backs of yore would take the ball from the quarterback, and then they would proceed towards the line of scrimmage where a line would open up like the Red Sea, per Jesus, and the running back could pass through this hole. And that's what we saw with the ones uh, from the offensive line, and that's fantastic. Now, beyond the ones on offense, I actually think all the offensive line pretty, look pretty damn good. Yeah, there are some mistakes, and yeah, there's some guys that won't be playing in the NFL come regular season. But in general, I thought they did a pretty doggone good job. Did Aguayo leave a curse? Listen, I'm not a religious guy, as said multiple times, and as should be obvious of the 13 years that I've been talking shit on this podcast. But if any of you guys are and can counteract a curse like that, I'm just saying it might not hurt. I thought all of our QBs looked sharp, and it's not just on the stats, right? The stat line was pretty obvious. Um, But I think beyond the stat line, if you looked at what the actual quarterbacks were able to execute, uh, it it was pretty impressive. And that's true for Ryan Fitzpatrick, for James Winston, and then for Ryan Griffin as well. There's a massive amount of passes attempted. Now, not just by the Bucs. The Dolphins are slinging the ball all over the field, too. But tons of receivers got a chance to catch the ball. You saw some guys show uh, receiving skills that they, we hadn't seen before. A Mark Cook's son, Alan Cross, with the, the diving catch in the end zone. Fantastic work, right? Cambrate being Cambrate. Mike Evans being Mike Evans. Catching the ball, falling down. I'm just kidding. See, this is where we get in trouble because I make that comment. I honestly think that Mike is as pissed as anyone when he does that. I think it is a, a reaction now to get the ball and get down and protect the ball, even when there's no one there. Do I lose sleep over it? No, I don't. Do I think he could be better? Yes. I think Rondé said it very well during the, during the broadcast. The only thing he can improve on is yak and tough shit. Let him catch the ball like a freak for 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns or 18 touchdowns. I don't care. I just see it and think, wow, imagine if he just did that one other thing. And I don't need him to try and be Julio Jones as much as Julio Jones uh, excites me in ways uh, an NFL receiver probably shouldn't. Uh, I don't want Mike Evans getting hurt trying to get an extra four yards. Just don't. Uh, It's the Bryant curse, not the Aquayo curse. (laughs) Probably a good point Um, over there in the uh, uh, chat room there. Uh, What else do we have in here? QBs all look sharp. And my, my final high point on my summary is the new secondary. And this will make more sense when I go over the low points. But David Whithead and Davis, this is a situation, guys, where the secondary is in absolute disarray. Smith, all these young guys, um, we had Grimes out. Hargraves got hurt. Ryan Smith was absolutely terrible. Now, let me hit the low points, and then we'll come back to this. Because the low point, and I'm going to go from the bottom to the top on the low points, was the old secondary. Smith was terrible. Conti, uh, and I, I've been a Conti apologist. I think Conti's a far better player than most people give him credit for. Uh, I think that the tape bears that out. I thought last night Conti was taking relatively bad angles, and when he took the right angle, then he'd missed the tackle. Uh, that's not Chris Conti play. That's not the way he typically plays. No matter what you guys would like to say, we've got the tape to prove it. It doesn't matter. And to be honest, I just don't care because I've already done the analysis myself. Um, 
But he wasn't good last night. We didn't get Grimes. We got Hargraves injured. So the old secondary, the old guard, I thought was thoroughly disappointing. Whereas the new guys are out here, and they're killing it. Like I said, uh, you know, Smith and Carl Davis and, and Whitehead, these guys are out there poking their hands in there and getting, getting work done. Now, do I think that they um, – yeah, you yeah, get hurtled. You're going to get hurtled. Things are going to happen. When you're in the secondary, you're going to get beat. This is the thing that I don't understand, and it, it has killed some secondary guys. And I always forget his name, but it was Myron Lewis, a Vandy kid that we've drafted, long, rangy guy, um, had him on the show, a good interview, smart kid, decided to go to Vanderbilt because he wanted SEC competition, but he wanted better academics. He had a great game, followed it up with a game where he got beats consistently, and he never came out of the tank. Great corners, great DBs have a short memory. It's like a quarterback. They're going to throw interceptions. Guess what? Happens. It's what you do when you rebound that matters. Because every play, they're taking a risk. And not to just pick on Ryan Smith, but Ryan Smith towards the end of the game, when the Dolphins were marching down the field uh, for the go-ahead touchdown, they throw a little dump pass in the flat. Now, he's got outside contain. I have no problem with him taking the outside shoulder. That's his job. And I know a lot of people say he took the wrong angle. They're wrong. He's got to be outside shoulder to force the play back into uh, help in the middle. But the running back did nothing interesting except for run by him and leave Ryan Smith's shoes in the ground. You've got to break down and make tackles. Now, this, this bleeds me into... <laughs> Rod Jones. Good call, Craig. Uh, this leads me into my biggest bone of contention from, uh, from last night. And, and those of you who know me know I have a significant bone of contention. Football is not a contact sport. It is a collision sport. We always talk about the important things in football. Blocking is the first one, and we did a pretty damn good job of that last night. Tackling is the second one. Now, as I mentioned, training camp has been a little bit light. There hasn't been as much contact. That's been a continual trend over time. Now, when Coach Yano was here, who I detest in almost every perceivable way, our team knew how to tackle. They drilled tackling. Now, they didn't have to tackle each other. He had a four-stage tackling thing that I used to like, mentally masturbate over because it was great coaching technique. Um, he did not take for granted that his players understood how to tackle because guess what? We have absolute empirical evidence that they don't. It's not one of them. It's most of them. It's absolutely lazy as shit. You get in the right position, you make the hit, you make the contact, and you don't wrap up. That makes you an asshole. Not necessarily as a human being. You may be a nice person. As I've said before, you might pet puppies. But if you make contact on the runner as they're coming through the A-gap, as a defensive tackle, and you get your big, burly arm around on, you've got to get him. You've got to bring him down. You can't let that guy squirt through and get four more yards. It's just absolutely unacceptable. If you're in the secondary, your receiver makes a catch, guess what's going to happen? I don't lose sleep over that. If because you're not tackling worth a shit, your receiver now gets an extra 12 yards because he doesn't lay down on the ground, he decides to run, that's bad. This is on the coaching. They have to drill this. This is not an optional thing. That's like being an employee and being like, I come in when I want to. No, you have to tackle. Noah Spence, whiff of the QB. A good point. Did all of the good work. All of the hard work to get there. 
Now, as I pointed out uh, in the Twitter stream after when I was watching the game, he was lined up in the neutral zone on that play. They caught him on the next series. Uh, and that's okay. Like, I, I don't think it was a nefarious plot to try and get an extra six inches of advantage, though. Who, in my right, who wouldn't like an extra six inches, am I right? But the, the reality of the situation is, Noah, if you're going to execute that inside move, which is fantastic, and every offensive line coach in the league got scared when they saw that. Because as soon as Noah Spence shows he can go inside, they cannot cheat and kick step early and stop that dis- devastating outside rush he's got. But damn it, when you get there, you got to get there. You must convert. So that is my lamentation about tackling. Uh, but this, this kind of bleeds in a little bit to what I thought was a, uh, a lack of consistent energy on defense. Now, Coach Buckner's come in and really invigorated that line. You watch him in practice, he's absolutely animated. He's in everyone's face. And he is sort of, in many ways, the anti-Mike Smith. Mike Smith seems contemplative, uh, stone-faced. Now, I'm sure Mike Smith can get it, get it really, really riled up, right? Chase, you're absolutely right. Do your job. Tackle. That's a great way to put it. Um, but Buckner does not tolerate this shit. And I guarantee you, even though they got to win, Buckner's got whatever size shoe he wears up people's asses right now about this sort of variable energy level that I saw from the defense. Everything he has gone through is stressing upfield penetration. That came and went last night. You don't get to do that. Every time you line up, you have to be going full out. When you don't go full out, you risk injury. If you go full out and you're doing it so well and it's preseason and they don't want to risk your injury, they'll take you out. We have enough depth. There's just no excuse for that. Last but not least, we've talked about it in passant. God, I'm such a geek that I just said in passant, in passing. <laughs> um, can it really be the case that we can't kick still? Is this even possible? And I love the people who are calling it the Bryant curse, the Aguayo curse. Hell, I don't know what the curse is. I think they should ban kicking in general. Uh, I detest it. I can't believe that this guy is not a decent kicker. Uh, You guys know I like Pat Murray, but to be honest, if it didn't come down to the fact that you have to have someone who can kick field goals just in case you've got to be able to punch one through... This is just terrible. Uh, paired with the shitty kickoff rules, which I don't know if anyone's talked about it, but I think they make onside kicks almost impossible. You can't get a running start. You've got to get to the 10-yard point. I don't know how you ever recover an onside kick at this point. Um, kicking in the NFL, short of punting, where fortunately we have Brian Anger, uh, is, is absolutely uh, a waste of time. So let me check the chat room real quick. Uh, we are at the 926 mark. I see King Brutal in there. What up? Um, yeah, the offsides of the end shoes. Skyler Fulton's a fun coach to watch. Oh, yeah, mark my words. Ryan Smith will be the new fan whipping boy. This year. Hey, Brent, I would say Brian Smith is the new fan whipping boy, except for I don't think Ryan Smith makes it to the regular season if he has another game like last night. So it is, uh, it's one thing. It's, it's one thing to be iffy last year, because I, I, I would defend Ryan Smith last year. He's in a bad spot, right? He's had a whole offseason to work on his craft, a whole training camp to work on his craft. He looked outmatched every down. I don't care about the pick. He looked outmatched. Fan whipping boy, I get it. 
Um, so that chat room is good. Sorry, going over the Facebook chat room, see what you guys are talking about over there. But I think that I see those live. <laughs> Mercer reference, nice. Uh, all right, let's get back to the notes that I've got for the game. We're going to move on, remind you guys, Swords and Skulls. Uh, it's probably no mystery. My skull's going to Ryan Smith. And to be honest, he's got the physical tools. He's, he's shown that he can do the job. I'm not rooting against him. What I would like is a set of cornerbacks that I can trust to do this thing called cover. Uh, I think that they could move him to safety. I just don't know that he's any better there, and I think they've got decent depth at safety already. So, I mean, I don't think they have to try and save him. I think there's enough raw material. I think they've done a good job getting some young guys in here who've shown that they have ability. Now, the, the question becomes, can they take that ability and continue it week in and week out? Can that secondary play as a part of a cohesive defense? Now, again, I want to make sure that before we start beating the living dog shit out of the secondary, we realize Brent Grimes, who I don't care what you say, is a phenomenal cornerback. Do I think he's the best cornerback in history? No, I don't. Do I think Brent Grimes is a legitimately badass cornerback? Yes, I do. We're a much better team with him on the field. Vernon Hargraves, when healthy and when allowed to play the way he can play, and this is the other thing that Mike Smith has to do, some of these guys are not cut out for the sit-back zone shit that Mike Smith likes to run. Hargraves, I think, can be a solid corner, guys. But we've got to have guys that, can, that can, can do this work. Now, Levante David was interviewed on the sideline, and he was talking about the same thing we talked about in training camp. If that front four does their job, our linebackers who are studs, absolute studs, are going to have a great year. Craig wants to know, would it help them to play press man at the line like most guys play in college? It can. Now, you can't just come out there and be a one-trick pony. Just like you can't be a one-trick pony running zone, you can't be a one-trick pony playing press. Man, there are some receivers, you try and press, and you're beat. You try and press Mike Evans, you're beat. Right? It's a wrap. But you can disguise these things. And one of the things that I see a lot of teams getting lazy about, us including the Miami Dolphins were, were absolutely uh, lazy about it last night too, is we just show you our coverage. We don't disguise our coverages. I remember the good old days when coverages were disguised. We'll come out there, and we'll be nine yards off the ball. And in a backpedal, you can see the weight distribution. If I'm a quarterback, this is what used to drive me crazy because teams would do that against us. Deshaun Jackson's out there at the X. I've got, I've got six seconds I can throw him the ball, and he's got five-yard space in all directions, and we don't do it. This is about scheme. This is about the chess side of football. This is about keeping your eyes open. And this is something that these coaches all damn well know. They know more about football than I do. So there, there has to be a reason, I suspect, that they're doing it. I just for the life of me, don't know what it is. Hey, Princess Nikki in the house. Um, so my skull, Ryan Smith, my sword is going to Ryan Griffin. And this is where we're going to come back. We're circling the wagons. We're bringing it around. We're going to wagon wheel it, as it were. No, not really. My man Brent over in the Mixler chat room will know what wagon wheel is, and this isn't really uh, a wagon wheel. Uh, update on the Vernon Hargraves uh, injury was it's groin two to three weeks. Was the last thing that I had heard. <clears throat> Why isn't Brent a captain? I don't know. Brent's pretty soft-spoken. Captains are weird. So captains are about leadership. Sometimes they're not the best players. Um, I would not be surprised to see... What up, Adam? Uh, I would not be surprised to see a guy like... Uh, this is going to be funny. It's going to be like look like I'm pandering. Uh, Alan Cross is the kind of guy that could show up as a captain, and you just don't know. Uh, they're, they're the guys that typically do the wor- dirty work. Sometimes they're your big-name guys, for sure. But I don't think that not being a captain is a huge deal. I know that people make a huge deal out of it if the quarterback's not a captain. 
I, I think captain is sort of sacrosanct. The team gets to pick their captains. Captains can't be anointed. Teams have to define them, uh, in, in my opinion. Uh, let me see here. Oh, Ryan Griffin is where we're about to get into. Um, I started saying this at the beginning of the show. And I heard on the broadcast, I can't remember who made the comment, uh, Ryan Griffin was called the purest passer of our three quarterbacks. And we've been talking about it in training camp. I don't know where Ryan Griffin went when he was hurt. or No, it wasn't when he was hurt. It was before he got hurt. It was before he came in last season when I was saying, listen, he could beat Fitz out if he keeps doing this. Ryan Griffin used to have no arm strength, uh, was smart, obviously worked hard, uh, but other than that was not much. He came back, and all of a sudden he had zip on the ball. No idea why. Could be a mechanics change. Could be any of a number of things. Uh, does Cross put his TD balls in the room at Cook's house? I don't know. I'll have to ask him. That's a good question. But Ryan Griffin right now is in command of this offense. He understands it in and out. He takes what the, the, the defense gives him. He is not afraid to sh- throw into very narrow windows. Uh, ball placement with him is fantastic in general. Um. <laughs> Rafe says sore to JPP because the first drive is all his drunk ass remembered vividly. Well said. Um, I don't know how they can do it. And some of you guys can absolutely think about this. Uh, my man Pinnacle, quickest release of all three QBs? Absolutely. Absolutely true. We are fortunate to have Ryan Griffin. It is a tough problem because you don't want to carry three QBs all year. And I honestly would not make a different decision than what they're doing with Jameis Winston out for three games. I would, I would absolutely stay with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's done very well. Um, I would sleep better with him there. But I think the team finds a way to keep Ryan Griffin because I think next year, you know, the bearded wonder can only play for so long. But uh, at any rate, he's going to be my sword. Uh, I saw some people giving him shit. I don't know why. Um, John wants to know, can I see Griffin handle his team if, God forbid, Fitz gets injured? Absolutely. Like, that's the thing. And they were talking about that ad nauseum on the broadcast last night. The reason is, well, why do we have these three guys? You know it's going to be Fitz and Jameis. For the first three games, it ain't Jameis. Jameis isn't there. If Fitz got hurt, would I, would I be okay that Ryan Griffin was coming in? Yes. And there have been times in my Buck fandom when the thought of the guy who started going down made me deathly afraid, made me think we should run Wits wishbone. Let's run a wing tee. Never throw a pass. But no, I, I've, and, and I used to absolutely tear the guy down, right? Not personally, again, but I used to think nothing of this guy as a quarterback. And I have been impressed last season. I was one, one of the ones banging the drum that thought he could beat out uh, uh, Fitz. And uh, he's done nothing but continue to improve after an injury. So I, I think he's been fantastic. So we had a player watch going on. Uh, and I'm glad that the comment was made about JPP. I have been, Seriously, man, crushing on JPP in training camp. This guy is a beast. He's not only a beast in what he does, but he is a beast in how he helps other players, which is great to see a vet guy willing to do those things. It was good to see him do it in a game. I want to see more of it. I want to see it more consistently. The other player that I was watching, we've been waiting for this Griffin for three years. I know, Matt, my man, Matt. Up in Louisville, right? At Kentucky in your, your new insurance place. Good job up there with his Geico uh, business. Doing well. Kicking ass up there. Uh, B-Sizzle in the house, too. Man, we got some oldies but goodies in the house. That baby is adorable. 
If he didn't look just like you, he would be so adorable, I would make fun of you for it, but he's adorable. Uh, JPP was well worth the third pick. He'd have been worth more than that. JPP makes this defense better. Gerald McCoy should be buying this guy uh, whatever the hell he wants. Um, and I do think uh, that the Vinnie Currys, the Bo Allens, the Mitch Unrines of the world that are now in this rotation are going to make this thing absolutely fantastic. But what I think they can be has to start being what they actually are, and it has to start in Tennessee. Get after the quarterback. Disrupt things. Get upfield. Looking fantastic in training camp. Saying all the right things. These are things I used to get excited about 10 years ago. Now what I want is two quarters of absolute domination. If you have a chance to go and get snaps against twos, you dominate them if you're one of that top tier, the top five defensive linemen. If you're going against a number two, that's not good. If you're going against a number two, you've got to dominate. Yeah, Vita becomes interesting. Now, uh, I'm glad you said Vita. So Vita makes this thing a very interesting discussion. Stevie T, not impressive last night, in my opinion. Uh, he looks like he's moving around in cement. Uh, Vita has got to be better than that. I don't know why the face follow is not working as well on this camera. Sorry about that, guys. I think I got it fixed now. Um, but regardless, we see D-line rotation when the regular season starts. You know what? I don't know the answer to that question. Um, you know, Marinelli and Kiffin were not rotational guys. Uh, it's Sometimes it's hard uh, to, to rotate and keep people fresh. I'm going to turn that off. That's annoying. Sorry, guys. Let me fix that. Let us not live follow. There. We'll go to this view. There we go. Um, what I think will be the case is there'll be situational downs, right? You'll have your third down and long uh, setup where you've got the fast guys going in. That's where you see JPP flip to the inside. Uh, this is something that, that defenses can do and that, and that you can do without disrupting things. But generally speaking, I don't think that you'll have a whole lot of this uh, swappy swap that goes on. Um, in general, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what uh, what ends up being the case with the with the coaching staff and how they choose to uh, to implement this. Now, let's let's turn our guns. Or let's check the chat room. See other swords and skulls. See if you guys had any in there. I'm going to check the uh, chat room over here. The skull is the bonehead of the game. <laughs> GMC can't buy what JPP wants. That's a fair point. Louisville. Oh, <laughs> Louisville. Thanks, Brent. I should know that. My man Gent went there. Uh, thank you. Uh, what I love is the chat room is self-governing over there. Thank you, King Brutal, for explaining what the bonehead is. Let's see if there's any swords and skulls over there. Nothing good there. Rick H. in the house. Wish could be listening tonight in a loud hotel bar in Cleveland, pretending and enjoying myself. Hell, make him put it on the damn radio. By the way, little side benefit, we are now in TuneIn. So if you get TuneIn radio in your car, you can listen to the podcast, which is pretty cool. Um, all right, no swords and skulls over there to report. You guys haven't given me other swords and skulls. Uh, sword for Peyton Barber, Nikki, of course, Nikki, going with her uh, her favorite. Need more OJ says Chase. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of creativity on the play calling side, but it, at least they mixed it up a little bit. I think OJ Howard's going to get his targets. I'm not worried about that. Uh, I think that it'll be interesting to see how they're able to spread the ball around. We've talked about this consistently. When you've got Deshaun and Mike, you've got Cam and OJ, 
you've got Godwin and Humphreys. We have too many people. Matt, I'm going to the Cincinnati game. And I think Cheryl is too. Um, there's still only one football. Now, as long as you're winning, no one really gives a shit, generally speaking. So if the team is putting up wins, no one gets mad about not getting their targets. Fitz distributes the ball a lot more. Jameis will, will get sticky on someone. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll get enamored with Mike Evans in the game or he'll get enamored trying to get the ball to Deshaun. I think that the better they are, um, he'll, he'll, he'll go on that streak. So we'll see uh, if that same thing continues. I see my man Hootay Baby in the house. We'll be up there in Cincinnati with you, Sean. And we'll take you out drinking afterwards when you're sad. We'll be tailgating with the Bengal Bomb Squad. The baddest-ass tailgating crew in Cincinnati. My man Sean, Hootay Baby, his wife Karen, Big John, the whole crew, E. So if you guys are going to Cincinnati, let us know. And might as well talk about that a little bit now. Games that I know I'm going to. New Orleans is already booked. Cincinnati is absolutely going to happen. Carolina is going to happen away. And I'm probably going to Chicago. Now, not that many of you give a shit about that, but if you do and you want to try and meet up, those are the games uh, that, that I will be going to. So we do try and uh, hook up um, when we get out there. So New Orleans is easy. Everyone's in the French Quarter. That's, that, like I said, that's already booked. Um, Cincinnati, I don't know shit about, but I know that Sean will take care of us up there. He'll make sure that we take, get taken care of. Um, so it'll be a good time. Rick Hughes says he doesn't understand Vegas, and I get this. And this is an interesting conversation as well. The Bucks are 125-1 to 1 to go to the Super Bowl. The worst odds, period. Vegas isn't wrong very often. I sure as hell don't know what they're seeing. Sean Moore says, lot one in Cincinnati is where the party's going to be. And before each of these games, we'll post. Listen, uh, I should interrupt the podcast actually right now because I have not given enough credit to the staff. Um, I'm glad you care, Pinnacle. I'm glad for anyone who cares, to be honest. Um, you guys know that we have the podcast. You guys know that we have the tailgate. You guys know that we do the charity stuff. For the longest time, the website was just the place that everything else was sort of stuck. The website got a lot better a few years ago when we had it redesigned. It got infinitely better when I stopped trying to do it. And we got uh, other writers involved, Dees Bucks, John Hinkle, Evan Wanish. Rick has written some for us as well. Uh, Rendax, who's now, you know, Pewtercast fame, uh, did, did some work for us as well. But J.C. Delatore took over as editor-in-chief, and he has absolutely knocked the ball out of the park. And the team has, too. It's not just the, the consistency of the articles, but it's the quality of the articles. I hope you guys are reading them. I know that it's not something we've done in the past, but I'm really, really proud of the work they're doing. Now, we will also be doing things about our tailgates and about traveling and all those sorts of things, and we always do our stuff via um, social media. So it is, uh, it's really something that we're proud of, and hopefully you guys are taking advantage of it. Additionally, if you haven't signed up for our mailing list, there's a, a place you can do that. That is a way to find out what we're doing on large events, large-scale events. We'd love for you to do that as well. What's my win-loss prediction? I never give win-loss predictions until after, after the preseason. Um, I can tell you that I have made one wager already. I had someone talking shit um, while I was at my reunion, and um, nine games, and I win a hundred bucks. So that lets you know my minima. Nine games. Thanks, Craig. Um, all right. So there weren't a whole lot of skulls and swords, which is fine. 
let us train our guns, as it were, since we are in Florida and we can train our guns pretty much on anyone that we fucking want to, as long as we say that they were scary. Uh, predictive MVPs for next week and what the keys to the game are against the Titans. Now, this isn't about, you know, regular season game planning, all of that sort of 75 to nothing. <laughs> who put that? I gotta go back and see who the fuck put that in there. Hold on a second. That was fantastic. King Brutal wants to find it extremely difficult to pick a skull this year. I get it. ATL Buck fan says he can usually only listen to the radio. It's tough to tell. Skull Sims, Sword Barber, that's fair. Um, Sims is an interesting topic of conversation. If we have some time, we can go into. Uh, what are my keys to the game against the Titans? Continue to cement the offensive line. We've talked about it every single year, and I've said it every single year, that it's not just because I'm a fat guy. The games are won and lost by the fat guys. The trenches. That was one of the players we were looking for, too, that I didn't say. Sean Jensen. If you're not excited about what he brings to the offensive line, you're not watching the game properly, folks. Stop following the ball all the time. That line, and this isn't because Allie did a bad job at center. This is one of the things that's starting to annoy me a little bit. Everyone's like, oh, they put him back to his more natural position at guard. Listen, Allie Marpet is a freakishly good athlete. He would have evolved into an incredible center, just like he was already an incredible guard. But if you put him at guard and you put Jensen at center where he plays, they both get better. It's that scenario where 2 plus 2 equals 5. Now you've got the whole thing going together. You've got him next to Donovan Smith, who Donovan Smith plays better next to Ali Marpet. The only concern we have is right guard, assuming DeMar Dotson is healthy and can play right tackle. And I swear to God, if they platoon right guard, my head's going to crack down the middle and whatever brains I have left are going to ooze onto the table. Because as I have said before, platooning linemen is stupid. Did I leave anything up to, <laughs> to question there about my opinion about platooning linemen? Uh, keys to the game. Continue to spend the offensive line. Get aggressive on D-line. That's what Buckner wants. This defense has got to be Upfield, first three steps. Watch the first three steps. Watch the first contact. It's about impact. It should be compressed contact. Didn't see enough against Miami. Didn't see enough. Prove the point. I don't care about showing people your cards. I'm not telling you to run tech stunts and esoteric blitzes. Beat the motherfucker in front of you and beat him soundly. And beat him so much he probably doesn't make the team. Demonstrate that tackling is not a lost art. As much as I say it all comes down to the fat guys. On defense, sometimes not fat guys have to tackle. When they have the opportunity... I'm okay maybe if you have an undersized linebacker get dragged down the field by a gigantic fullback or something to that effect. But damn it. If I see someone sling themselves at someone with a shoulder and not wrap. If I see someone try and wrap and slip off. And Rafe, I don't disagree with D-line platooning. I, I don't agree with it uh, the way like college basketball teams platoon people, but I definitely think it's a little bit easier to do because the skills are a little bit different. Um, but this tackling bullshit's got to stop. 
Predictive MVPs for the game in Titans. Question by John Miles. Do coaches even teach tackling anymore? It's a fair question. Um, I, I know that Greg Schiano did. He, he was fantastic at it. He did coaching sim- symposiums on it. There are more tools now to teach tackling. Now that you can't literally tackle the shit out of everybody in camp. Uh, the tackling tubes and the new dummies and these sorts of things are absolutely great devices to help you tackle. Tackle is want to. And that's one of the reasons why I think it frosts my ass so much, as my dad used to say. That was one of his colloquialisms. It frosts my ass. I really don't know what that means. I mean, it makes your ass cold, I assume, but I don't know why that was a colloquialism he used. Um, when you think about this game, it's a game of domination. If you're an offensive lineman, you want to dominate the person in front of you every time. Now, that doesn't mean it's the same person, especially if you're running zone. But if I engage you in a block and I'm the offensive lineman, your ass needs to be going backwards or wherever the fuck I want to drive you. And ideally, it's going to end with you on the ground and me shoving you through the ground. On defense, it's much the same. Every time you have a chance to make contact with someone, you should try and make them remember that moment. That doesn't mean cheat. That doesn't mean use the crown of your helmet. It doesn't mean grab their face mask. It means form tackling. Rondé was getting damn aroused last night talking about it every time he saw a form tackle. Because when you see it, you know it. It's immediately evident. It's like great art. You may not know why you think art is great, but when you see art that you think is great, you just know it. When you see good tackling, you just know it. These guys all know how to do it. If they choose not to, it's a problem. And gone are the days where good enough is good enough. This team has to perform. This coaching staff knows this team has to perform. Uh, Predictive MVPs against Tennessee, and we're going to have all the bullshit Mariota stuff and all the other side stories and TMZ shit that I just don't care about. Um, But the reality is uh, I think that this offensive line gives Peyton Barber a chance to run, uh, and I think he takes advantage of it. I do think Peyton Barber looks fantastic. Um, Not that anyone cares. I don't think Peyton Barber should have started instead of Doug Martin last year. I do think Doug Martin, assuming John Gruden doesn't just absolutely implode that entire franchise, which it seems like he's trying to do, will have a fine year. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good running back. But Peyton looks absolutely fantastic. I liken Peyton Barber uh, to Ernest Graham in many ways. A guy who can do everything, do everything well, hasn't had an opportunity to shine. Hopefully he gets his opportunity and shines and doesn't have any injury issues like Ernest did and can get out there and kick ass. That doesn't mean I don't want Rojo to play. It doesn't mean that I don't want to see what everyone else sees in him. He's definitely got uh, some juice in his step. Uh, he's got to learn how to catch the ball. He's got to learn how to blitz pick up. Guess what? That's what all young backs need to do. That's okay. I'm not mad about that. That's his job. Learn it. On defense, I think this is the game JPP uh, lets people know what the fuck's up. Now, when he does that, that will let other people do it too. So it may not be the stats. John, I agree. White House, Whitehead and Davis both played very well. So did Smith. Um, not Ryan Smith, rather. Um, uh, JPP may lead to other people's stats blowing up, and that's okay. I like it. Peyton Barber, lunch pail. 
Craig Hertzman, OJ Howard, offensive MVP, defensive MVP, Spence. Listen, you guys know I like Noah. If Noah's healthy and can keep that shoulder healthy, he's proven he's got an inside move. He will be a problem. Now, they, they had him not in a wide nine, but they had him sp- almost like in a sprinter stance last night that was a little bit weird. And when they put him out that far, it negates his ability to get inside. Uh, I don't like that. I like him you know, in a more traditional stance. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what the tape looks like. I'm going to watch it again on game review to see uh, what happened in those those downs. Uh, score prediction for the game in Tennessee. You guys know, uh, for those of you who don't remember, I never pick against the Bucks. That's why I don't put any money on the Bucks except for with friends who talk shit, uh, which is what I did with the bet that I already have. Uh, 27-17, Buccaneers win, and I do think that the Bucks notch three sacks. I don't know who's going to get them, but I think that the defense shows up. I think Peyton Barber has a good game on the ground. Uh, and I think that the Bucks start to look really, really good in Game 2, uh, leading into a Game 3 where we get to see what this team can potentially put on the field for us uh, come Week 1. Um, from a schedule perspective, like I mentioned, travel for NOLA. Cincinnati, Shawnee girls in the house. I hope your event was good tonight, dear. Um, Cincinnati's in the books. Chicago and Carolina. Tailgate schedule will be out on Facebook. Part of it's already there. Jay Hatch, Kurt Creel, 167 to 7 bucks, says Craig. I like it. Um, my man Matt Bucknuts Algeria he's been running the tailgate doing a great job Kurt um, most of the time yes in a 7 they had him in some hybrid it, 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 it was this strange tilted 9 I didn't like it um, what was I saying oh Jay Hatch Kurt Creel the whole crew they've got some amazing things planned for the tailgate this year guys absolutely amazing so keep your eyes peeled on social media We'll post all the information out there. Get out to the tailgate. Have a great time with us. We'll let you know where we're going to tailgate when we're on the road. Uh, If you'd like to support what we do, like we said before, you can always help us out. Uh, Time, talent, and treasure. Uh, If you want to help financially, we've got a couple of Patreons out there. There's a Patreon link. It's very small on the website and on the top. That's a way where you can essentially sponsor. I know that some other folks are doing that as well. We've been doing it. We just don't really pimp it very much, but it helps offset costs. John Miles says 32, 24 to the bucks. I like it. I like a lot of points. It's a lot of fun. Um, but we definitely want to thank our Patreons out there who do support it. That just means that it, uh, web hosting and all the other shit that we have to do get cost. Uh, Steakhouse Elite, uh, they're back in the house, baby. You know that's going to be true. Uh, all of our sponsors hopefully will be back, but we know Steakhouse Elite's already coming back. They've already committed, as have Steps Towing uh, and Tito's. So we're waiting for Don Q, uh, and we believe Pepin will be back as well. So it should be a good year for us in that regard. Um, PayPal donations can be taken as well. All those go to the What the Buck Really Matters Foundation. You can even set those up as monthlies. Uh, I started eating those because of the tailgate. You're very welcome, Pinnacle. I eat them uh, exclusively in our home. I think Steakhouse Elite Burgers are fantastic, and if you can get their hot dogs, they're awesome too. But most importantly, participation. Let us know how we can be better at what we do. So, uh, hey, Joe, what's up, brother? Good to see you. Let me uh, check the other chat room before we get up out of here for this particular podcast. I think that the pro pop or thud is really a hindrance. Throwing shoulder at our running back in a game is just directors. I, I don't disagree, Nuck Nuck. I think you're absolutely right. Am I going to do chalkboard stuff this season? King Brutal, I want to. Um, I'm trying to find good ways to do it. So I'm working with our web guy to figure out the best way to do that. Because I like the chalkboard stuff uh, a lot. And Brent and Ren did a great job. They got credentialed this year and they went out there and did the interview stuff that I do not do. Uh, they did a phenomenal job of that, and that's that is great. <laughs> Scott's missed keys to the game. Score more exactly. I 
I did not look at the playmaker points yet. I saw you uh, reporting on them, but I have not had a chance to look at it, Ren. So I'll go take a look at it. And that catches us up in the chat room. And King Brutal, I appreciate that you want me to do that as well. So um, anyway, again, thank you guys for joining us. Hopefully you like the format. Um, Nikki wants the, chatboard, the chalkboard stuff too. I'll figure out a way to do the chalkboard stuff. I may just go get apparently with, and those of you guys who are Apple folks, uh, maybe you can answer this question. Um, as I understand it, you can telestrate with Game Pass on the iPads, but you can't do it on the Android, and they never add it to the Android stack. If you use an Apple product and you have Game Rewind, if you can go look if you can do the telestration and drop out uh, the images as GIFs, let me know. I'm actually trying to figure out a way to do the flat panel you see behind me. We no longer have the console TV, so for all you guys who made fun of me, right there, um, we're still getting everything wired, but at least it's, it's not the bullshit old console TV that you guys made fun of me. But we may try and do something uh, on a live telestrator, which would be a lot of fun as well. So um, so we'll see what we can do about that. I want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week. I'm not sure which night. It's kind of crazy in the offseason with what's going on, but we'll let you guys know in advance as far as we can. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining the show. We'll have the podcast up, the YouTube video up uh, post-show. And uh, for Tennessee, not going to Tennessee, uh, we may do a watch party here somewhere. If we do, we'll let it video scribe. Pinnacle, hit me up offline. You know how to do this. Hit me up offline. And let's figure out how to do this the right way. And you need to come over and play with this Mevo because I think it would be right up your alley. For the whole crew of What the Buck, for Bucks Nation in general, and I don't care what the fuck flag you wave, whether you're a stick carrier or a buckaholic or What the Buck or you're a Buccaneers invasion, all of it out there. Um, stop the measuring. Pound your chest. Let's cheer on the team and have a great season. Uh, Apple folks aren't real people. I like it, Rafe. <laughs> As an ex-Microsoft guy, I like that, my friend. All right, we'll take care, and we are out of here. <laughs>